0: listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API.
1: Now from the Nowcast Network studios,
2: here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going, Bobby? Next to him, we've got Mr. Scott Gershon. Oh, um, yeah, I'm texting you a second. Okay, hi, hi. hi. <laughs> Put that phone down. Okay. Uh, and next to him, we've got Mr. Nick Peck.
3: Hello, Mike. Hi, gentlemen. How are you all? Good to see you. Look at that. He's always in a good mood. I, I rushed over here from a <laughs> Cub Scout meeting. And you so work
1: for the happiest company in the world. <laughs> I do. It's so
3: happy and, and uh, I'm all in my, my actual Boy <laughs> Scout regalia. It's too bad you guys can't see this at I know, home. It's, actually, it's very exciting.
2: It's great, man. I want to salute you right <laughs> now. And <laughs> uh, next to Mr. Nick, we've got Brandon Birdseye. Brandon. Ooh, what's up, Mike? How you doing, Brandon? Doing well, yeah. It's good to see you. And over here on my left, we've got the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hello, everyone. Am
0: I on Skype or am I live? You are live, brother. Well, I'm good actually to see here. You.
2: That's like two in a row. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. Two in a, let's go for three. So
1: now we don't need the blope doll anymore. <laughs>
2: Well, not for what
4: <laughs> <Wow>. man.
2: Oh. <laughs> Let's just keep moving. Just keep moving. Uh, today we, have, we have, I have a ton to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. Um, on the the back end of the podcast, we're going to talk about um, copying, um, and this was mainly something that we wanted to talk about last podcast, but we just kept on going and going and going. So we're going to talk about that, but. Up front on, on this side, there's a couple things that I want to bring up um, the first thing I wanted to bring up was uh, well, you know what I'm I, right now I'm making an executive decision I'm actually not going to talk about what I was going to talk about because it would totally put a bummer the, on the, whole, <laughs> on the whole thing. we're going I want to push this back I want to talk about something else and I, and it just caught my eye. Um, one of our listeners actually gave us this idea for a uh, a podcast um at least something we needed to talk about and he actually said it would be a crime if we didn't and this was um, right this is Andrew Hansen um and basically it was a link to an article that said old album sales a worrying tread for the music industry and it talked about how um for the first time in 2014 Catalog albums outsold new records on iTunes, and um, basically, old music was outselling new music on on iTunes. And they mentioned a little bit of maybe it means that you know more consumers are getting their music from streaming, which is kind of obvious, I would think. Did they say one. what the
1: demographic is? Um,
2: no, but they they are also you know speculating these experts that as soon as 2015 old music will basically be outselling new music and uh, i don't know is that something that's that's worrying t- to people or not let me tell you literally right before we started this podcast um i bought an album off of iTunes and it was a it was an older album and if you want to know what it was i'm not going to tell you cuz i'm kind of embarrassed oh <laughs> come on oh <laughs> okay, oh okay. oh i'll tell you it but- was it was the progressive group from Canada, Saga. I bought my greatest hits. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> wow. They were progressive cheese, though. They yeah. were not, like,
0: awesome. Have
2: you heard their early work? That's all I'm going to say. They were okay. Uh, that's all they I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, were, gonna say. Were, but, is, but, you know, I'm wondering...
1: I'm wondering if the 40- to 60-year-olds were just used to buying albums and CDs and because it's an older demographic, so the concept of them listening to Spotify or Pandora, it's just not in their wheelhouse, perhaps. So it might be that they are gravitating to things that they know.
2: I would be curious to see what the demographics say. Or maybe new music just isn't lighting the fire. I don't know. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait.
5: So this is on iTunes. First of all, iTunes sales are going down. Yeah. So it's sort of irrelevant. It has nothing to do with what's happening in music right now. Music is, not only is it going towards streaming, it's rushing towards it. It's a freight train going towards it. And there's no albums in streaming. Yeah. there is. As a matter of fact, I saw a figure that was kind of disturbing, but it it makes a lot of sense. That the top 40 of the year made 80% of all the money digitally. Wow. And if you expand it out to the top 100, it was like the t- it was 95. So it makes so when you look at it, you go, if that's happening, that means that the the back end, the long tail, yeah, isn't really doing what that article says. Mm. Now that's on streaming. So that's what's, a, it's a but difference.
2: what's interesting is should it be? Oh man, that that just seems kind of worrisome. That well, why would you that- worry
5: about it? Well, As an industry, you wouldn't. As an industry, you'd say this is great. That's free money because we don't have to promote it,
2: right? But if the money is okay, let's work it out. If it's if it had a broader base, like let's say if if the top forty was only responsible for like you know thirty percent, that means seventy percent was spread amongst other people that aren't in the top forty, and that's a lot of sub and a lot of specialty music and that translates into different studios doing different things and pieces of gear getting sold and and i don't know just spreading the wealth don't you think i mean don't you think that would signal a healthier
5: money is money no, no matter where it comes from the pie is getting bigger there's no question about it that's the good part Now, how you you break it down, I haven't seen that particular figure, so I, I, I.
2: Sure, and I'm not going to hold you, obviously, to anything because I just kind of sprung it And I
5: mean, I I look at these things a lot, so I'm, when there's something that I haven't seen, I'm really curious. Um, Not that it's not real, it's just I I haven't seen it. Um, But the pie is getting bigger and it's getting bigger faster than anybody thought.
2: Well, I will tell you that the uh, website is classic rock. <laughs> so uh, Okay, um, well,
5: I think that might be skewed a little bit. But... Um, no. Okay, here's one thing that is true. That's absolutely true that in terms of the rock audience, they definitely buy more CDs, they definitely buy more albums. Absolutely. So when it comes to that demographic, yeah, there's no question about it. And if they're just looking at their own demo, yeah. But
1: that also goes to age demographics because... The rock, yeah. od- the rock audiences, you know, I think we're the 80s, the 90s. Yeah. But once you start hitting into the 2000s, it starts waning.
2: Yeah. Hey, you know, speaking of rock, um, you know how we're kind of recycling through the 80s right now? Um, there's a lot of, you know, everything from the modular sense to the kind of the 80s production and things like that. You think we're going to we're gonna follow in the footstep and bring out uh, – do you think metal and, and rock are going to be making a – Come back on the back end, much like they did the first time around, because people got so sick of that synthesized, machined sound, and they kind of morphed into that. And I'm not even talking about the grunge; I'm talking about the back end of the '80s. with well, are hair bands. You know, we talking fun- metal.
1: It's funny that you say that because I started. I, I, you know, I did a little looking back, and I know we talked a little bit at dinner that like one record producer is producing most of the giant hits, and it, to me, it's was, what was the Martin? Max, Martin? Max Martin. Max Martin. Okay. So what happened, I remember, before Grunge, is it became corporate rock. It became very formulated, and they had the top guys and David Foster, and everybody was doing it. And next thing you know, everyone's like, every generation wants their sound. Right? They don't want their parents' sound. They don't want the, – they want to revolt. They want to have something that's raw or something that they can own. So the question I'm wondering – with the Beyonce and Taylor Swift and all the pop and, and Ariana Grande and all of a sudden it's just the same songs, different right. artists. Are people going to go, I'm just tired of it. It doesn't represent right. me and I want my generation. You know, Because we're coming into hard times. The world's a hard place right now. It's a dangerous place. And, and you've got to think that there's got to be a little bit of angst. I think. You know, we're in the recession, we're coming, the recession, Wall yeah. Street's doing well, people aren't. You've got to think there's a next generation that's going to look forward going, this is screwed, you screwed it up for me, I'm angry, and I want angry music. So you look at the 60s, you look at grunge, there's a certain amount, you know, aggression.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely going to be a, a, a space for that, but I think just sound-wise, I think some of that, just that pop sound and the EDM everybody's on EDM 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 and, and I'm like I'm a huge electronic music fan but I'm just wondering if if that natural progression of a little bit harder a little bit you know a little bit more distortion a little bit like I think you well, do your kids listen a- to,
1: much less poppy
2: my kids yeah well <laughs> My daughter is, she is, she's, um, she's 12 and she's all into, into the pop. She's all in basically what's on the top 40. That's, that's what she listens to. Although, being a father, I kind of clamp down on some of the stuff. So I'm definitely, you know, pretty firm in what she listens to. Um, but, um, yeah. You don't make her either.
0: listen to saga, do you? Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you, know, you want to know something? You want to know
2: something? Here's a total sidebar and we're just gonna make this really short. But um I don't know if you remember way back when um, when we first t- started talking about digital music and and iTunes and everything, one of my biggest concerns was What what am I going to leave? You know, you know my kids. I I remember finding my dad's record collection and Mm -hmm. finding his music, and I was wondering how that would translate in today's generation. You know how it translates, and this is total sidebar, and then we'll go back. Is my son? He has access to my to my music. You know, I share on iTunes, right? He's pulling out all these songs that I have on my iTunes. Like, I'll I'll give you an example. He's into Kansas right now. Excellent. Drastic measures right now. He's like, Dad, I love this. And, I, and it's like – it's – you know, I don't – he doesn't have to wait till I'm gone to find my music. He can just go to my iTunes library and listen to my music now. And I just think that's amazing. That's something that – that that sense of discovery, you don't have to wait until, you know, someone's passed away or something. Well, I think you the, the question is why
5: he's doing that. And, and,
2: and I'm, I'm really
5: curious, actually – why would he be curious enough to check what, out what what's on your iTunes playlist? I, I'll
2: tell you right off the bat. It's because he he's learning how to play the drums. He actually's playing the drums okay. and yeah. Rock Band, literally Rock Band and Guitar Hero. I mean, we have every Guitar Hero that that's out there and all the Rock Band, and that just kind of introduced him to a lot of music. And he's just kind of kept it going and kept it going. And kept, even now, even though the those you know, genre of games that are long gone. He still, you know, if he finds a little odd one that, you know, he runs, was exposed to it through that.
1: You know, it's because so I've got a 10 year old and it, I'm also watching him grow and how he's growing. And his thing is he likes a melody and a rhythm. Yeah. Like when he heard Uptown Funk, he lost his mind. Mm. And all of a sudden I said, Let me introduce you to Prince you know and even Earthwind and Fire and and all these other bands that w- that had a certain amount of funk factor but he also loved equally Foo Fighters and Chili Peppers but there was a certain amount of anything that guy has a rhythm and his head starts nodding and he starts feeling it he loves it and if a melody but some of the stuff you know yeah, Nick, Nick how about
3: your son uh I was really psyched. I got him a new iPad for uh, for his birthday and last week he said, "Dad, will you install Pandora on it for me?" And I said, "Sure." You know, he'll never buy a CD in his life, of course. And I said, "What do you want to listen to?" He says, "Well, I want to listen to the Beatles and uh, that band that does Weather With You, so that I, you know, crowded house, so that I can listen to that stuff while I'm playing Clash of Clans and the other games that he was playing." And I was really I was thrilled about that. I I think it's the same thing as what you're saying, Scott. I think that kids you know, have a nascent desire to hear really strong melodies and to be able to hear great rhythm in that kind it, it of thing. It is, of is but you know what's with interesting
1: kids? with our sons and all our kids? Right now they're young, they love it, they hear, they, they're, they're in their happy phase of life. Once they start hitting teenagerhood and they want to be individuals and unique and they don't want to be the parents and they want to rebel because every kid does, they have to. Not what's my kids. Going, what's, going to be, <laughs> what's going to be their generation and their sound? Yeah.
3: You know, we don't know yet. They don't know yet. Maybe they'll go back and discover The Clash and The Sex Pistols. But there'll be a version of that that will pop up. But that's
1: what I'm wondering is music's become so formulaic with every. Because, you know, I'm sitting there listening and watch the Grammys and all that. And a lot of it was hard for me to take just because it seems like the same songs. and, And there's so much hype. And everybody is a gorgeous 22 year old with, you know, and it it 's just the same formula, different
2: person, similar melodies you know you know it 's going to be interesting we 're going to move on, but it 's going to be interesting where this all leads to because it seems like every year we say the same thing about music 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 there's there 's a certain amount of of you know it all sounds the same. And then you move on to the next genre, and then it all sounds the same. You could probably go back yeah. to any year, though, exactly. and say the same thing. Exactly. But it's, so got, it's, to, gonna be, but it's got to evolve. It's, I mean, no, no, it's going I mean, to see, it's gonna be interesting to see where it evolves, too. Because I guarantee you, like you said, the, the protest, that, that grunge thing is coming. But w- what's it going to sound like? You know, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid of EDM and oh, a little of bit of all this stuff, and it's going to sound a little bit like the old, but. Also something brand new. But, but you know what I will say? The
1: musicality keeps getting better. Yeah. So. I mean, first, when you look at the 60s and people just went, I got three chords. I'm not totally in key, but I'm, I'm, I'm heartfelt, you know, heartfelt music. And then, little by little, each of the, let's call it the, the, the anti-establishment music, yeah. because, you know, you had the 60s, which was against the 50s. Right. Then you had the disco, and then you had rock and metal against disco. And then you had corporate rock, and you had grunge against that. So every time it keeps going ebb and flow between, you know, sugary, sickly commercial music and somebody goes, I want to make something unique. But then somebody says, we can make a lot of money on that. So everybody jumps onto that and it becomes, you know, the standard. I mean, REM now is elevator
2: music. Yeah. But as long as Tom Petty's around, we'll have a good catalog of new music. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. We'll talk about that on the back side. Hey, got to move on because we got a lot to cover, and I don't want this to be a, a two-hour podcast. But um, I want to talk about clients right now, guys. I have a, I have a, a thing that, that I have to get off my chest, and I didn't want to open with this, but now we're going to talk. Um, you know, The relationship with your clients is a really uniquely weird one because – with some clients, they become your friends, right, Scott? I mean you sure. know that you, you work with these clients so, and they, they become like part of your social circle and things like that. And, and it, it comes to the point where – I'm going to have to be really delicate when I talk about this. But when you, when you work with some clients and then stuff turns south, it, it can really kind of hurt you. And most of the time, when it turns you out, mean emotionally, yeah, just emotionally, and just sure. you feeling used. And a good example is like um, when you have money problems in your client. You know, it just so happens. You know, well, I'm facing this personally, but I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was just in this panic. He was just like he just didn't know what to do, and I. And I heard this, this pleading that I had never heard from him before of, of desperation. And it's a client had just bounced a pretty big check to him and they had just finished doing. A bunch of long days, like 18 hour days, to push out this thing that was going on TV on a network. And it was a pilot that they did all the sound on, they did all the mixing. It was totally done in a panic, in a rush. And, um, you know, everybody, yeah, we'll take care of it. That's all good. why to get
1: 50% up front. Got,
2: well, they got the check, and but they're working on it, and they went to deposit it and bounced like a. But, but
1: you guys gave them the masters before you finished they you
2: well, did. yeah, apparently they did and 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 it was so I felt so bad for him because of the fact that you know as what we do is is basically you know working with ones and zeros, and we don't have anything except the hard files, right, and the only leverage we have is is. Is time and the actual product at that time, right? Because well, that's quite a bit of leverage, though. right? Exactly, exactly. So if you let that go, then you got nothing, you know. And and this, oh man, it, it, yeah, but for a friend,
5: are you gonna say no exactly to, to a they, longtime friend?
2: But I mean, it's just you get put in that situation. It's like I felt so bad for them. I, I just, you know, now I think later on. Thank goodness it, it was made good, but it was a lot of that's a tremendous amount of stress. A lot way. of stress. There's a lot of things on the line and and really, you know, what I told him is is it's like you know and he was talking to me about, you know, you know, get your, like you were saying, get 50% up front. Get your money up front. Make sure that if they give you a check, man, even if you're working on it, send somebody to deposit it or do it that night. You know, now with all the deposit, you just got to make sure your money's good. Cause if you're that, I hate to say it, but man, you, you're so exposed. And once you let go of your digital assets, once they're gone, you've, you've got no leverage. I mean, I'm working with a client right now that, that is on a really slow pay. I mean, like, extremely slow pay. I mean, let's, like, I it's slow. Give me a good slow joke, there, Rob. Come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> well, you know some some of the biggest
1: companies. If you're small and they're really big, they'll take their time.
2: Oh, because they course. can. So it's, it me be three to six months. It's painfully slow, and it's it's to the point where I, I I'm not going to do any more for them until it gets it gets caught up. But it's like I was this whole thing was just kind of you know after hearing my other friend you know talk about that and what i'm going through too and then <laughs> the 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 whole cherry on top of this whole sequence of weird client stories um I had a client that was working on a project went through the fires of with a director doing the whole thing and delivered the files and to the director and that day the director got hit by a car and died. Oh, no. Totally messed up, my friend. Just uh-huh. unbelievably he he called me up, man. He was like, I'm just I, I I'm just messed up. He just he was just messed up. And it's it, it, all these stories kind of brought me to like Man, when you work with the client, is such a weird little relationship because, you know, I've been in these situations where you're working with somebody for such a short, intense amount of time, and they feel like your best friend, and they feel like you've known these forever, and then it's done, and you never see them again, or maybe you do, you know, six months later, but that intensity, and I just, man, I don't know. I just thought it was just real. What a weird little time for like. Clients and things like that. What a weird way to start the year, for one thing. But you know, to have—I felt so bad for my friend to have that. The you know, you develop these bonds. I don't know. You guys ever have any weird stories like that with clients that maybe not quite, quite, not like quite that. that weird. But um, I don't know. It's it, don't want you say though the the client relationship. It's it's such an odd one because we, you know, we are living to it. You know, I mean, I you know. know
0: well, I was just going to say, I think one of the mistakes people make as far as clients when you're a vendor, as we all are in different ways, is you have to understand that it's, it's respect that has to run in both directions. Yeah. A lot of times, especially when you're starting out, you sort of kowtow to whatever the client wants, and the respect all goes in one direction. It's basically you kissing up to them so that they'll either continue to hire you or you know pay you for the gig you're doing or whatever, and what you have to learn as time goes on is it has to be a mutual respect. And if you're going to build real good client relationships, they have to be based on that respect. Right? It, can, it can't be, I mean, obviously if they're the ones paying the bill, they're calling the shots at that moment. But they have to be at least pretending that they're coming to you because they respect what you right. do and, and value your input and your judgment and everything else. Otherwise, it's just a gig and it goes away and nothing comes from it. If you're going to build a career, you have to always remember to not undervalue yourself and to have the respect flow in both directions.
5: Okay. Well, th- th- here's a good question then.
0: Long-term clients, how many do you have, Rob? I have a few super ultra loyal ones. Not ma- not many though. It's a, okay, Brandon. What would you say? Long-term well, clients. Well, Trailer Park or Synchronic. I, I guess my
4: clients are through Synchronic, my music library. So it's really all the same. It's a weird relationship because our clients are the uh, other trailer houses, trailer park included, who are using our sounds and music and licensing them. But at the, it's really the studios that are our clients. So it's it's kind of this weird.
5: Okay, so the, the there's, there's you're so saying all of
4: them, but I don't have close relationships with the studios, but I do with the music supervisors and the editors throughout. You know, so the are are
5: there a couple yeah. that always come back to you then?
4: Yes, there's definitely some that you know or music soups that I know well and we're friends outside of, you know, business who do always come to me for things. So yeah.
3: Okay. Nick. Um, Well, now that I have a, you know, a day gig at Disney, I don't do nearly as much freelance as I did. The freelance that I do is with the same people I've been working with for 20 years. And if I were to leave Disney tomorrow and go back to freelance again, maybe half a dozen people that I would call, who are people that I've worked with that have been long-term clients in the past, and I'd be working for one of them again within you know, a month, whenever the next project came along.
5: And Scott, I know you, you have lots of long-term
3: clients. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it,
5: my whole career
1: is based on long-term. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because the film industry, different than maybe, let's say, TV or some other industries, is a nomadic industry. What that means there is the picture department, there is no company. I mean, it's funded by a studio But they may say, okay, we're going to rent space over at Lantana, Tribeca, someplace in Burbank. And everybody gets together for a year. And they they have all the post people come in, and everybody gets hired. And like the last picture we did, three of us on the film lost family members, Hmm. all within about a month. And it was a trippy place to be. What it was was very emotional. We all consoled each other. We talked to each other. It's the first time I've ever seen that. And we've all kind of bonded by stories of, of growing up. And you, you, you do bond, but then what happens, like in on tour, you finish. And so we were on it for a period of time. Now, when he does another film, well, some of us will come back. Some of us won't because we'll be in other projects. So it is like a tour where every time you do a film, it becomes its own little sub-life. And you do it, and then... You might come back, and, and sometimes it's something simple as, I love you, you're great, I think you're amazingly talented, I just want to try something different. And sometimes they try something different, and they go, wow, let's do that again, <laughs> I'm back. So I think you do get these weird little relationships, and I think that you know to do film, it's all about relationships. And so it's all about long-term people helping out each other, because
2: other than that, there's nothing else. Well, that's- Mike, how does that work for you? It's a little different for me because, on one hand, I'm a staff mixer, so I mix what what they feed me. Um, although I do have some outside my animation clients come in, and they're um, they're very loyal to me. I'm very loyal to them. Um, almost. That it gets hard to find a, a sub to sit in and, and mix because, you know, once a client gets fixed on a certain thing, it's like, you know, it's not that I'm any better or any worse than anybody else. They're just used to it, you know? Um, and then I've got some long term co- clients that I've worked with for years and years and years. Um, I actually had a client that saved my life. One of my good clients, who is still a client today, literally saved my life. L- I was in the middle of a session and I started having um, some really bad chest pains. Horrible, like just, but not like this, it was just weird. I knew something was up. And I, <laughs> my client's name was Chartis. He's a really good friend of mine. I said, Chartis, I need to go to the doctor right now. And he goes, Let me take you. He didn't even hesitate. He just got me, took me, took me in this car, boom. And what ended up happening is I had a, what do they? C- it's every once in a while, um, your heart can just kind of do something. Heart yeah. A track something, and essentially what happened. I'm going to get into my medical history here, but um, essentially what happened was my heart started beating at 224 beats, and I had been working all weekend on this project. It was all project.
3: that electronic dance music. <laughs> no, it was like I,
2: I, was, I was working on their project, actually. So Actually, they tried to kill me and save my life. <laughs> but I worked all weekend, and it was just a lot of pressure. A lot of stuff was happening at that time. My heart took off. They took me in. I knew it was serious when I went to the emergency room, and the nurse went over, took my pulse, and then just pulled me in the back immediately. And it's like she pulled me in the back and all of a sudden, all these people kind of came out of the woodwork, and they had all this stuff in it and, you know, things. And the doctor was there, and he leans over. He goes, okay, you may you may feel weird for a little bit, but we're, I'm going to do something right now. Goes over, gives me a shot, and it was like a shutter wipe. The whole world just kind of went black and then kind of opened up again. And then I go, what'd you do? And he goes, well, we just reset your heart. I'm like, Oh, so let me ask you a question. Did did you go back to your session after Uh, that? You want to hear something (laughs) weird? You probably did. I was in the hospital for like three hours and I went back. I went back. I didn't actually start mixing. I just went back to my room and I, and I just thought, what just
5: happened to me? That, my friends, is a pro. Yeah, really. That yeah. was
2: it was crazy. But thank goodness. You know, the the best thing out of that whole thing was A, um, you know, they The doctor had said that, look, when it goes that fast, they take it really seriously because, believe it or not, if your heart is pumping that fast, it doesn't have enough time to basically take a drink for itself because it's always spitting out all the blood from what the doctor said. And so he goes, that's why we had to bring it down so that you wouldn't go into a cardiac arrest or anything like that. It was scary. And, you know, for me, it It got me (laughs) to see a cardiologist and I – you know my heart's been fine you know but it's like you know a little moment like that my client totally if it wasn't for that for Charles being he didn't even he didn't even blink he's like let's go right now because he could tell i was serious and he just you know he just wanted to go if it was with anybody else let's say if i was working with a new client or something and you didn't have that little push who knows what could have happened or not happened so it's the whole client thing, man, it's a weird little – little. I don't know. It's just a weird relationship. I, I think to sum up my feeling about it because
0: you asked how many I have and I said it's a short list because the, the criteria I would use is a truly loyal client because there are clients who are loyal because you're making their life easy or because you're you know, saving their bank account or whatever. But to me, the test of whether a client is really loyal is if they'll come back to you when you're not the easy choice. Like the yeah. studio is pushing them to go someplace sure. else yeah. or they have someone else on the project who wants to go a different direction or whatever. And I've had a few clients who are really loyal in that way. And to me, that's the real test because anything less than that, it's convenience for them. Right. Um,
2: well, you, know, you, know who's a, you know who's a client? Martin. Before we even became – I met Martin because I was putting together his live performing rig. And we just kind of hit it off. And we became really good friends. And then it just, we've been friends ever since. And, you know, now he's like a brother. And, um, it's, it, it's just a client relationship that just blossomed into a, a really great friendship. And, um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think if you're going to become successful or if you're going to be successful in this business, in whatever realm you are, you you know you can measure your success is if you have clients like that and it looks like and it sounds like everybody around here does and everybody's here is pretty much a rock star at what they do because uh, I'm sure even you Bobby you you know you have some long term clients or you probably have some close clients don't you
5: Plenty yeah, yeah. plenty uh, on in, in different avenues of the business actually yeah
2: I think the whole lesson to this whole thing is is a clients are are really important but B. If you're just starting off, man, your social skills have to be just as good as your your mixing chops. You, you just need to be a people person because your your career is going to live and die by your clients. And, yeah? and
1: you know when when I first started in the business, um, one of my mentors when I first started as Sound Lux, and he was he was looking to hire me it was Wiley, and I said to him, I said, look, I got a question for you. With all these options to you how do you choose a crew? I mean, how do you make your choices? And he goes, it's really simple. I make the choices of who I can uh, be in a room with. And it's really that simple. Who can you, who's not annoying enough? Look, everybody's got their own unique personalities and the creative people are very unique. But there's something about, I don't know why, but I like working with you. I like being in a room. We connect in a certain way. And I've seen some clients you know who work with me and we just get it and i see them go elsewhere and some people hate them cuz they just they they can't figure them out and and i've had that i've been on both sides of that and i think it's just who do you creatively click with who do you like and you know we say in hollywood you know it's who you know it's sort of but it's really who do you, i mean like in any industry yeah who do you just want to hang out with yeah and and you you know you provide part of the team whether it's a sports team or a music you know a band you provide a part of the uh, a piece of the puzzle
2: well hey we're going to we're going to wrap this up but I tell you the whole client thing it's just a weird little relationship it can totally hurt you you know they can hurt you money wise they can hurt you know if if you lose one it, it it can be emotionally devastating they can they can save your life and they can also just be a fun hang to hang out with you know can i tell one uh, quick sort of sure. bummer Abs- client story absolutely this. it was interesting i
3: hadn't thought about this person since last night and until last night when i got an email from their like artist Uh, mailing list. You have been subscribed to, you know, this person's mailing list and all this stuff, which of course I had no interest in doing. 20 years ago, this person had hired me Um, to do an enhanced CD for them. So they were releasing, um, you know, this was back in the day before the internet, before the interweb. And so you would make compact discs that had a track zero that had, you know, a Mac and a PC track on it. And you could take the CD and you could stick it in your computer and there would be quick time movies and additional information and all of that kind of thing. And that was the business that I was in, um, back then and they had asked me to do a lot of really complex things uh and i absolutely did and it was it was a wonderful thing you could go and you could listen to the music it would pop up the sheet music and you could follow along and all of this great stuff that we had designed um worked typical you know until four in the morning to try to get it done got it all done it went out to the printing plant everything was fine and then at that point her and This person and their manager decided that they weren't going to pay. Um, you know, about 25% of the tab saying that the reason was because, you know, we were the ones that had designed it and, you know, because they didn't design it for some reason they didn't need to pay even though we had legitimately worked all of the hours and they had never said anything about it while we were doing the work. So they really let us down the garden path. Um, Not only did it spoil my relationship with that artist who I had already done a couple of previous CDs with, but I was so incensed and so bitter by it that here I am 20 years later and I see their name and I still hold nothing but contempt for them
2: you know and that's
3: i mean that's amazing how much power that can No
2: have. it's it's deep man you get hurt like that that is some serious some deep mojo there All right well uh, i wanted to end on a good note <laughs> but uh, you know like i said man clients if if you want to survive in the industry and if you want to have more than a gig and you want to have a career you got to collect them and um you know you just gotta want to be around them, and they gotta want to be around you. All right. Well, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back on the other side, we're gonna talk about um, copying and uh, plus a whole lot more. All right. I'll talk to you later. We'll see you on the other side.
0: You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com.
2: Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we are talking about all kinds of stuff, man. Talking about clients, talking about
5: and you missed it because you didn't hear the break. <laughs>
2: yeah, the break, the break, break was actually pretty good. pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, it definitely was pretty good. But hey, listen, um, before we start, uh, one thing that we're going to talk about is copying. Um, but um, What even, kind of copying, Mike? Or, uh, copying in general. I'm talking copying, copying sounds, copying songs, copying software. We're going to talk about copying. Um, but before we even do that, I wanted to bring something up that I saw and it has to pertain to um, Mr. Nick Peck. Ooh. They re-released, remastered. They did. One of the best video games ever. I agree. That Nick worked on was the sound what was your title on that one? I was
3: a sound designer on it.
2: Sound designer. It was- and that's Grim Fandango. Absolutely. It is an amazing game. I literally when I found out he worked on Grim Fandango, that was like it was like meeting a beetle. Okay, maybe not a beetle.
3: <laughs> Thanks very much,
2: Mike. How about the guitar player from Saga?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the piano player from Saga, they, the guy uh, who played that little the, fast the line. Yeah. Uh,
2: anyhow, um, but it is just a fantastic game, and uh, I know it's on um, PS4. I know you can buy it on the uh, in their. Uh, their store but i really recommend it it's just great it's really creative great story it's great, great storytelling
3: sound. and that's what makes it a great video game yeah
2: it's just really good but I, I you know shout out to you when i saw that i was like woo you know that's
3: it was interesting it's like one of the best projects that i've ever worked on was one of the very first projects at the beginning of my career when really? I really was that, made it.
2: Th- yeah. was that the- i mean
3: i was doing a bunch of other multimedia stuff but that was my big break was that was that game and who knew that you know, it's a great it would, game. I knew as soon as I looked at it, I was like, "Wow, I've never seen anything like this before."
2: No, it was really and, good.
3: But you know, who knew that it would have those kinds of legs? Because video games don't. It's not like films. You know, Scott's got stuff going back a million years that you know is amazing, and that people fifty years from now will will, will be watching and enjoying. But it's not the same with video games. They they last for three months. You know, and yeah, so but you know, it's th- very think, exciting to work on something that you know has got those kinds of legs.
1: I think this, You know, I think some of the video game side. I think there are some, are some IPs that. Are are lasting, you know. The Gears of War franchise has lasted, and and Halo is has, has gone through the roof, and there are a bunch. I mean, it's starting to happen now more. Now the question is, I think it's difficult because the platforms keep changing.
2: Yeah, platforms change, and also you know, there's no reruns in games. Yeah, and the and the the lighting. Always gets better, and you've got you know just graphic engines. But I will say that that game, the remastered, it actually it looks really good. Yeah. So they,
3: they did a great job. It was it was a great project, and it was extremely creative, and that yeah. was what made it cool.
2: Anyway, just wanted to kind of give you a shout out there, my friend. Um, all right, guys, we're going to talk about copying, and we're going to start right now with um, what happened with Sam Smith and uh, our good friend Tom Petty. And I, you know what, I have a hard time with this because it seemed to me that the people from Sam Smith kind of rolled over and played dead awfully quick, you know, or actually said uncle or gave in or gave money. And I just kind of wanted to open it up because I have some feelings on this whole thing. But um, Brandon, you really did a, a pretty extensive breakdown. I know you, when I talked to you last week, you yeah. were like, you know, I'm really going to look into this. Let's Tell us a little bit about the whole, the whole thing.
4: Yeah, I do a lot of song analysis just in general. Usually it's trailer cues and, you know, any song that I think is pretty cool and I love the sound of it. I throw it into my DAW, see what all the, you know, lift up the hood, see what's going on, see why I like it, see why it's good. So I uh I threw these two in there. Um do you want me to give the the quick version of what's different and what's the same or do you want to get yeah. into details well, about BTM here? Just, uh,
2: just give us a little bit yeah. of both, man. Give us the medium version.
0: All right, the medium version. And also explain what the what the songs were, like the what's the controversy. What are they saying right, right, right. happened?
4: So there's Stay With Me, Sam Smith, and I won't back down Tom Petty, um by Tom Petty, who uh the controversy is I guess that they uh the melodies were similar, and that they uh, Tom Petty or uh, Sam Smith's people had to. They decided to give over songwritership to uh, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn. I don't know what the percentage was. Do you know? No, it was something, but it was
2: pretty substantial. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a small percentage. It seemed I like,
4: like it. they they got it, they did it very you know in a in a very good way that seemed like everybody got off without looking like a bad guy and anyone really really stole anything they they said you know we you know we didn't do it on purpose and Tom Petty's people acknowledged that you know they didn't think they did it on purpose so you know everyone sort of what, got what, out of it looking
5: fine but i'm really curious what did you find out in your analysis because so, when when i think about those songs i i, I don't get it i mean I, you yeah. know to me the you know, there's enough of a difference. I agree too. Yeah. To
4: me, when I first heard it, I was like, really? Then I went and li- I was like, they don't seem the same to me. You know, very different. Production's very different. You know, the structure's different. Um, uh, the the BPM's very different. Um, I Won't Back Down's at 114. Stay With Me is at 85. The key's different. C and G, they're compatible keys, but different. Time signature's the same, but 8 4, but that's pretty much the same for most popular music. Uh, Runtimes, they're both close to three minutes, but every pop song is about close to three minutes anyways. Now let's look at the chords, the verse chords and the chorus chords. The verse chords for I Won't Back Down are E minor, D, G. E minor, D, G, and then E minor, D, C, and then back to E minor, D, G, which is the 6-5-1 progression, if you look at the relative um, notation. But if you look at Stay With Me, he... It's A minor F C throughout the entire song, which is six four one. So we're looking at six five one versus six four one. So there is a difference. There's a difference there. It's close, but it's a difference. The chorus is totally different. You know, Tom Petty goes off and does C G D G and uh, C G D G, and then E minor D G, whereas Sam Smith just stays at that A minor F C throughout the entire song. It's a three chord song. So they're different. The song structure is different. You know, Tom Petty's is uh, verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There's what would be a verse, but it's got a guitar solo over it, and then two choruses. Sam Smith is verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus, verse, and then four choruses, each slightly different. One's instrumental, one's one's a breakdown, one's the the choir, and then the, the big one to end it. So very different, but all those differences aside, the melody, if you look at the melody, which is Tom Petty's verse versus Sam Smith's "Stay the Stay with Me" uh, chorus, the "Well I Won't Back Down" from Tom Petty, and the uh, "Oh Won't You Stay with Me." It's that "Won't Back Down," "Stay with Me" that are the same. Um, and if you look at if you transpose it, they are the same. You know, it's the same couple notes, but the little filler notes leading into it and going out of it are different. The If you look at the entire melody, if you break down the whole thing into four parts, the first two parts are similar. The third part's totally different, and the fourth part is a duplicate of the third part, similar again. So is that making any sense? (laughs) No, it totally is.
2: (laughs) It's making enough sense that Rob's going to say something or he's going to explode. Go ahead.
4: So, do I you mean you're finish? not going to want me to enter this conversation? I <laughs> me and Rob sort of had this conversation before the. Podcast. I will tell you
0: the very first time I heard the Sam Smith song, I was actually driving around in Austin, and I had no idea who it was. I'd never heard him before ever. And my very first thought to the chorus of that song was, "Wow, that sounds a lot like the Tom Petty song." I won't back down. Huh. It immediately to me was exactly a ripoff. So even if it wasn't uh, note for note or chord for chord or whatever, it was close enough that. I'm driving around the back streets of Austin. I had no reason to think anything about a Tom Petty song, and I heard the Sam Smith song, and I immediately made the connection and just thought, "Wow, someone's getting sued."
2: But let me ask you a question: Is that enough to make it bad? I mean, like, well,
0: bad and bad and good isn't what matters here. What matters here is is. Who's going to win the case? I mean, uh, the Sam Smith people rolled over pretty quick and easy because they realized this was not going to be a winner. And it was going to, even if they did win, it was going to create such huge negative publicity right before the Grammys. It just was not a smart thing to do. But what, I mean, this is an interesting study of the songs and for academic reasons, it's interesting. But the truth is in any of these cases, it comes down to what some person who may or may not be an expert just feels about whether you were trying to get away with something or
2: not. Did you create this document? Yeah, I did. Can we post it? Yeah, go
5: ahead. All right. Yeah, I don't it's very hear it interesting per- to read. I don't hear it personally. I, I, I'm not saying. That, I mean that that I, wasn't your impression, and I'm sure it is. But I, you know, I'm I'm sitting
0: here. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I, I can't hear. Have the you connection. heard the two sections back to back? Have you actually? I mean, well, no. It's the chorus of "Stay with Me" and the yeah, verse it, of. Yeah, I, I, I still. Uh, it, it doesn't hit me like that. Yeah, originally when I heard
4: it it didn't jump out to me. I had to go yeah. back and listen. You know, I know I know Tom Petty's work. It's not it wasn't fresh in my mind though. You must be a bigger Tom Petty fan. I'm not a huge fan,
0: <laughs> but I have a feeling that definitely Sam Smith's fans are not massive Tom Petty fans. Yeah. No, I just I won't back down. I'm old enough to remember when that song was just on the radio constantly, and so it's burned into my brain. So the moment I heard the Sam Smith song, it registered with me. Now, and if they got, had taken the got, chance... You've got perfect pitch, too, though. Well, there are so different pretty, keys and stuff, but... You're pretty... I'm, I remember melodies and stuff, but the thing is, what it comes down to is, if this did become a legal battle, both sides would have their musicologists, and some would be talking... And you should post this thing Brandon did. Some would be focusing on the ways they're the same, and some would be focusing on the ways they're different. But it comes down to either a judge or a jury who is just going to say, you know what, They kind of sound the same or they kind of don't. And this was enough of a wobbler that the Sam Smith people realized they had to roll over. The thing you have to realize is, and this is one of the things Brandon and I were talking about, in the chain from this song to make it to the public's ears, there were a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of older people who were very familiar with Tom Petty. And I guarantee you that a bunch of them heard the similarity and let it go. Because number one, it's not worth worrying about until a song's a hit. You know, it doesn't pay to sue somebody until there's something to sue for. That's true, and so this happens all the time. And I have a ton of experience, especially in advertising. And this is another thing Brandon and I were talking about. There's a whole bunch of inspired by work that happens in marketing for TV and movies, and you know, there's a lot. Inspired by is the term they use now because sound alike and rip off. Are not as flattering, <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of music that's inspired by a, a whole bunch of other music oh. and no one gets sued until there's something to sue for and I'm sorry, but in this chain for a major label release with worldwide promotion like this there were plenty of people even if I had been in the minority if I had been anywhere in that chain I would have said, wow, you're going to get sued if this is a hit because that is, to me, personally my personal opinion is I pulled it out of the air as a rip-off of, of the verse of that song
2: I will say that after looking at this document though I don't think Tom Petty's people have much to work on. You, But the document – I'm right. sorry, but the document is irrelevant when you get to court. You're going to have musicologists no, argue it. It's totally relevant because that's all you can look at is they, they break it down. They they will break but it down. But music is not a sum of the parts like that.
4: Well, Rob, wasn't there a case with um – um John Fogarty of CCR, where his record label sued him for ripping off himself writing a song yeah. that sounded similar. Yeah, right. and the I old think, man down the road. I, yeah, yeah, I believe in court he brought his guitar and played both of those songs and showed how they were different in different keys, even though I think they were, I don't remember the songs, I think they were both, you know, in probably a basic blues progression.
2: Um, but like, how does that I, relate? Well, to I it? just think you know when you're in court, though, it's all you know. Isn't it just about the facts? And they're just going to lay this out. Well, are okay, I mean, we, going we, we, we 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 to the have facts the facts start. play
1: in either direction. It isn't isn't basically the, the reason why there's a lawsuit in the first place? Is that an audience would hear go, "Oh, that's the other song," and I like that song, but I but that person didn't write it because it sounds like the other song. So it be should be something that the mass public not. Esoterically, that just goes, oh, yeah, they're the same song. Every blues song is a
5: ripoff of every other blues song. That's
2: that's my point in bringing this whole thing up, though. It's like, okay, just because they sound alike, and I'm not going to say that there's not, you know, they don't sound alike, that those parts don't sound similar. Is that bad? I mean, it's like well, there's. It comes down to
0: money. I mean, there was major money made on on "Stay with Me," and this you would have never heard of this conflict if there wasn't something to sue over. Because
2: the because the songs aren't even. And I'll get to you Nick because I know the songs. I mean, you're not gonna you know mistake one song for the other. The different vibe, different feel, just a whole. It's not about that.
0: It's about did you copy somebody else's idea?
2: Right, and part of it is. You
0: know, the tempo is different enough that numerically it's different, but when I hear the two songs separately in my mind, I don't recognize the tempo difference that much. I mean, if you play them back to back, you'll notice it, but I think of them as both kind of mid-tempo, yellow songs. A, A lot of the actual statistics and analysis fade away when it's just you ask someone sitting on a jury, do you think they copied them or not? And right. it's, it's a capture, which is but, why they settled this out of But if they
2: – look, look, I guarantee you if, they, if this went to court, they would have a document like this. As a matter of fact, Brandon, this is you – know, you're, you're going to be called upon to be a Mike, star they've already this. rolled over. <laughs> and you think that those lawyers would have
0: rolled over if they thought they could have defended it? Of course no, not. I, I, they just don't need that I, kind of I, publicity. I, I
3: don't. Do yeah. Of, yeah. You know. the, what were you going to uh, say next? So let me jump in technically here just for a couple of minutes or just for a moment quickly. First thing is that you cannot copyright a chord progression. Okay? So um, the fact, interestingly, that you know, the chord progression for one is 165, I think, and the other is 164, whatever, whatever you said it was, is irrelevant can't copyright a tempo. You can't copyright a key, right? And it totally doesn't matter if one is an A minor and the other one is an E minor or whatever. It doesn't matter because it's trivial to be able to transpose it. The only things that you can cop- – you can't copyright an arrangement. You can't copyright an orchestration. Is it 12 sequential notes? I don't know about that. I don't know exactly what the number is, and I think that that's where the gray area is. But correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby or Rob. What you can copyright are lyrics and melodies. So if I sit here and I write a lead sheet, and all I write on it is "Hey Jude, don't make it bad," and you know I've got five you know notes that go bum 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 bum. I'm screwed right that's all it needs to be it doesn't matter who's saying it it doesn't matter what the time signature is it doesn't matter what the key is if i take that somebody else already wrote that that little distillation that little molecule of music right there is owned by someone else
5: and so. i'll give you an example of how that actually can come back on you in a book that i wrote deconstructed hits i couldn't even mention one line i couldn't mention hey jude don't make it bad without paying the beatles and you would think, wait, wait! All I did is I like, copied four words, you know. Oh no, no, that's not no. That's copyrighted. You can't do that. So it's true, yeah.
2: Now, which gets me to my next point of, you know, there's only so many. So <laughs> many notes. Yeah. <laughs> I was so thinking that. You, right? you, you know? I mean, yeah. everything is going to eventually sound like everything else in one way or the other. You know
0: what? Hundreds and hundreds of years of music have proven there's still plenty to be done with those 12 notes. I wouldn't get too wrapped up about the fact that every song's been written and, and we're out of ideas. There's still plenty to be well, done. Well, I don't think we Well, happy. yeah, there's, we haven't even explored microtones yet. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Max Martin works in microtones, so I think that will never happen. See, see,
1: Max Martin could just sue himself. Because all the sounds that sound like Max Martin is Max well, Martin. And you know what?
0: <laughs> he has found a formula. I mean, I mean yeah.
1: A, I mean, you listen to all this. I think you could actually intercut all of Mac Mar, Max Martin's pieces of as of late. Like, you know what he wishes you would because he'd make so
0: much in the publishing. <laughs> he does not care if you think all this stuff sounds the same. Well, well, it's not only him.
5: The, it's it's all those uh, Swedish guys. It's Red One is yeah. the other one, and 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 the, there's another guy uh, producer. Uh, begins. With, I want to say Skrillex, but that's not it. But he works with Matt, Max Martin all the time, and, and there's like five of them, and it's he's the the biggest one. Yeah, they own the world right now. Uh, they have more hits than anybody.
2: Else. I just you know when you see something like this and you you see about copying and when you talk about copying, um, you know, there's a lot of copying that goes on in our industry. There's a lot of copying that's that's co- that's in the disguise of. Being influenced by or an homage to, or you know, um, I mean, I've worked with music companies that literally a producer will come up to them, give them a hit song, and say, "Write me something." I was
0: just going to talk about that because, and this is another thing, Brandon and I were talking about when you're doing advertising music and you're doing, you know, for for movies or TV shows or or product commercials or whatever. The client usually wants some big hit piece of music to be associated with their project. So they will often figure out, you know, what's the number one song on the radio right now and how do I get it? So then they go and try to license it and realize it's like a quarter of a million dollars or half a million dollars or something that they don't have. They have, you know, $3,000 or less. And so, but they put in the request with the publisher and say, oh, we want that Lady Gaga song and it's, and then they find out, well, it's a half a million dollars, we can't use it. So what they do is they come to someone like any, any of us or people we know and they say, okay, well, we wanted this Lady Gaga song, but we can't afford it. So we want you to do it, uh, you know, for five grand or three grand or 200 bucks or whatever. And in today's market, there are kids lined up around the block doing it in their living room on their laptop for next to nothing. Right. So this is what they want. Now, the problem is the publisher has already been aware that this film company or whoever wants the Lady Gaga song. So their radar is up. So they're out there looking to see, okay, there's going to be a commercial popping up for this product or this movie. And it's going to sound like our Lady Gaga song, and then we can sue them. But as the composer, whatever, I'm approached... And I'm told, okay, you need to rip off this, this song. And I say, well, I can't. We're going to get sued. So you know what ends up happening? We, we do this dance where we come up with something that's original and then the client says, well, it's not close enough. So then you do something close enough and before you play for the client, you go, oh, no, I can't play them this because they're going to love it and then I'm going to get sued. Because the client will disavow all knowledge. They'll just, if the client gets sued by Lady Gaga's people, they're going to turn to the composer and say, it's your fault. You're the one who ripped it off. In it's those a situations.
4: position. I've been in those exact situations and we've made a point to say, look, client, whoever you are, you need to contact a musicologist and get them to review the song and make sure it is, you know, can
0: pass. And get OEM oh, yeah, insurance. None of us want to get sued. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, what I, happens though, what or, I was, yeah. was going to say though is so, yes, then we say, okay, we want a musicologist to analyze this to say what's legal and what's truly a copy or not copy. And that's when you find out once and for all, how not close you're allowed to be. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure... I mean, a musicologist is like an expert witness who you could get to testify either way if something's a wobbler. But in my experience, what they said was far enough away from the Lady Gaga song or whatever was unrecognizable as the Lady Gaga song. Maybe you have a similar kind of drum sound or a similar kind of beat or something that isn't copyrightable. But as soon as you're getting anywhere near the melody and, or the lyrics especially... You're completely screwed. And I just think the reason the Sam Smith thing went away so quickly is only bad blood would have come from it. And it definitely was not a winner for Sam Smith. They, they, I guarantee their lawyers were saying, look, maybe some of the lawyers thought they could win it, but overall, no way. I mean, if if people can pull it out of the air, and I'm sure I'm not the only one on earth who did, who just heard the song and the very first thing they thought was, wow, that's a Tom Petty song. Um. It's just, it was not going to be a winner. It's, it's amazing, though, how imprecise this whole part of the law is. It really comes down to what kind of mood a judge or a jury are in and what their personal experiences are. Yeah. If you happen to get a judge who's really into music and really has an encyclopedic knowledge of music, you may get something different than some knucklehead who's tone deaf and can't even sing happy birthday. You just never know what you're up against. You know,
1: and Alpha was something even in the world of sound effects. <laughs> we, I, I, I ran into the same issue, strangely enough. Uh, I was doing a bunch, I think, I wasn't working with you, but um, I was doing my stuff in Nike, and they said there's this big tennis match that we don't own the rights to the broadcast. Uh, it's a radio broadcast. We want to put them in Nike Towns. Could you reproduce it for us? And we can do that. Reproduce the uh, sounds? Yep, it was basically that match. and And I figured out all the reverbs and where to record it and all that, and I got a guy from England, 40 love, you know, and two t- t- love, you know, the whole bit with the echoes on it. We got so close, it totally freaked Nike out. Hmm. And they said, okay, wow. First of all, wow. Second of all, we need the sessions, and we need to see the breakdown of how you created this, so we can have it in case, you know, the well, Tennis the, association's- sounds,
0: the sounds weren't copyrightable, but the broadcast itself absolutely Right, right but they, they,
1: because it sounded so close to the broadcast. Right. yeah
0: they, they thought you were just using the broadcast.
1: Exactly, they said, it, you just gave us back the broadcast. We're like, no, it's totally, it's we built." And they said, you need to prove it. Mm-hmm. So we sent it to them, and they're like, yeah, can, and you know, each of the guys that our place did a different part, and but we got that nice slap that that's from there, and I did all the analysis, and we did it. But it, it, it's something that we had a copyright issue that,
0: on the sound effect side. Well, and you know what? That actually relates to, like if you're having to do an inspired by, quote unquote, rip off of a pop song, one of the ways to get there is to focus on all the things that aren't copyrightable. In other words, right. write a whole new song, but use the same basic kind of drums. Use the same kind of bass. Sound, yeah. Use the same kind of feel same and tempo.
3: progression and tempo and all of Just don't do sample them. That. Well, don't sample
0: them. <laughs> but you, you, you focus on the things that, that no one can argue are copyrighted. And you can get part of the way there because a lot of times it's about the feeling of what the original music did. I mean, you're, if Lady Gaga is singing some catchphrase that they want, you're never going to get close enough because it always just sounds like a cheap, horrible knockoff unless it's the exact
3: same. Buh, 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 blackjack face, buh, blackjack face.
2: <laughs> you know, what's interesting when you're talking about copying too, sometimes you, it's just not copying music. You know, Scott brought up sound. Um, I was working on an 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 animated episode where um, it was uh, it was I had to. It's this animation that I had to emulate a a well known movie that they wanted to have it sound similar to, and uh, and actually that was kind of fun because you get to break down what the movie was, and you. That's not the company that does the knockoffs of every big movie out there. No, 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 no. No, no, it was for it was for a, a special episode for one of the animated uh, series that I do, and it it was but what was interesting though when you were talking about digging into it is you know I and I, I don't want to say anything because it hasn't aired yet so it's going to kind of be a surprise but when it does air out it'll I'll have tell aired by it's... the time that anyone's hearing. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, no actually we have got a new editor who's going to turn these shows around <laughs> quickly so um, but. What was fun though was the fact that that you know we watched the movie and uh, and then you pick out you know certain sonic signatures and the way things hit and the way things are are popping out and then you just kind of emulate that and uh, and that was actually really interesting but I could see you know some of the hits and the zings and things like that it'd be tempting to just go ahead and copy those things you know what i mean from the from oh, who's going to listen to this well Everybody, since it's, since it's on a syndicated uh, animated show, but um, it's interesting when you're asked to do some of that stuff, you know. And I, I don't, you know, this is definitely not going to get anybody in trouble because it's, you know, it's definitely a parody on on that movie. But um, it definitely was interesting having to copy, you know, a sound signature of a well-known movie. So, so
1: how does karaoke do it? Is there a special
0: license that? We can, yeah. they're paying for the publishing for the song, absolutely. Right. Not always. <laughs> well, theoretically. <laughs> we've been
4: into situations where we've had to, you know, we couldn't get the, uh, well, actually, we wanted to do a, a parody of a song. So we wanted to have vocalists sing something right. relevant to the movie that we're doing the trailer for, usually an animated children's movie or whatever, over this other song. and. We you know we can't get the splits from the other song because it's some old classic rock song or something. So you you know you get a, a karaoke version. We've gotten into trouble a couple of times where we went to license that and that karaoke whoever that publisher was of the karaoke version never got the clearance to actually oh. do that karaoke. Version. Right. right. Well,
0: yeah. 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 If Watch out doing, for that. That's kind of if people yeah, aren't yeah, doing yeah. things <laughs> legally. <then laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and
1: then that one company was talk- I forgot the name of that company. Uh when I did Pacific Rim, they released, I kid you not, Atlantic Rim.
5: <laughs> no. There's a, no, there's this
1: company that There's an
2: Atlantic Rim out there? Yes.
1: There's, there's a company out there that what they do and it's they're not it porn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs>
0: they're
2: not, I <laughs> had the name of what the porn <laughs> oh, one was no, right <laughs>
0: saying,
1: Anyway. But um <laughs> No, there's a company that does it uh they make barely legal rip offs of the movie. And they have I mean, instead of making it for You know, hundred and eighty million, they'll make it for like twenty million or fifteen and they'll put it out there and I think the audience, especially internationally, are so confused as which one's which, they actually make money. And somebody showed me this website and there's a whole catalog of every movie you've ever heard of slightly different. Okay. And they've C G yeah, this look up his Atlantic Rim paraphrased top movies. You know, I and mean, again, yeah, they do, and, and you know, probably, you know, sort of fury, it's
2: fuzzy or. Oh, oh my gosh, Atlantic Rim movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, I watched the scene from it, I'm like, <laughs> holy shit!
1: And it looks like a video game. I mean, oh it's.
2: Oh my goodness!
1: The CG's not bad. Uh, I mean, it's not the same, but it's like.
2: You are <laughs> absolutely right. I'm looking at the trailer right and now. And what is
1: the company that does it? It's like, it, I guess there's one company that just does it to every movie.
2: That is hilarious. And the, and it del Tormo is <laughs> the oh, God. oh, the asylum. Yeah, that's how they
1: make oh, the, they, they do whatever is, like, barely copyrightable. Oh, it's
3: hilarious. I've been watching the dwarf porn version of Downton Abbey. It's pretty good.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, yeah. anyhow, I mean, yeah, copying comes, <laughs> you know what I was interested in, you know, we're talking about copying and, and not all of it's bad and not all of it's good, but um you know, there's certain synths are made from a a generic synth engine that's basically really easy to license out there. And it was it's amazing to you know, I was reading this thing about all these little um boutique synths that You think they're starting from scratch, but they're not starting from scratch. They're licensing some of their technology. And basically, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from anybody who can do this, but essentially going in there, you know, splashing their... um, their UI on top of it and and coming out with their own you know plugin But everybody's
1: copying native instruments. It's all coming or, off the, the
2: same uh synth engines and things yeah. like that. I mean there's just copying going on all over, you know, and a little tweak here little But they tweak license there. that, don't they? Oh yeah, and no, no, no I'm do. not saying I'm not yeah, I'm not saying none, you know, none of this is, you know, illegal or anything like that. You know what else?
0: But you're also you're influenced by all the things in your life all the time and it's totally possible that you could unknowingly copy something, because you come up with something that feels familiar, but you really don't know where you've heard it before, and then you you'd ask people around and you play for people, and none of your friends have heard it before, so you say, okay, I'm going to go with it. It feels familiar, but I think it's original, and often the best stuff you come up with comes up in a flash, and, and the reason it's good is because it does feel familiar. Did, but- did, did you hear Bob Dylan's
5: acceptance speech at uh, Music Cares? it was all over the internet he spoke for about an hour but it was just on that subject and well not exactly on that but but it was kind of like how he started and he said exactly that where he he and he said all of his contemporaries would copy Woody Guthrie and go back and get all of these exotic uh, exotic folk songs and they learned every single piece of them as well as they could, so they knew them like the back of their hands. And he said, I would learn this song and then I'd be playing it in two hours. And and the result was Bob Dylan because he had this encyclopedic knowledge of folk at that point. And, and so did all of his contemporaries. But it was essentially the same thing that you're saying, where it's like being so into what you're into that eventually you kind of lose...
0: The, the the boundary. Yeah. Where, you and know, you know where, what? It's, that's okay. Where is you and where isn't you? And that's okay because you're not going to do it most of the time. You know, every now and then it's going something's going to slip through. And it's possible the Sam Smith thing was a completely innocent mistake. Did he write it? With, a, with some I other think people. He had some other songwriters. Yeah, there were a few, but he was one of the writers. But who knows who came up with what part. But the thing is, if it just happens organically, that's fine. I mean, they did the right thing by crediting who actually had come up with it originally. Um, and if it just turned out to be a pure coincidence, well, then he got to be a superstar out of it, so it was worth the price of admission. But um, it's going to happen to you. At some point, you're going to come up with something that you love, and it's going to turn out that you came up with it because you loved it when someone else did it, and that's okay. The trick is not to set out to do that. Right. I mean, (laughs) the underbelly of the industry are the people who just focus on doing the ripoffs, and honestly, I was... In that world, for a long time, in the advertising world, and that's just how you had to. It's what you had to do to earn a living. You had to be willing to walk that line of sometimes being questionably close to somebody else's creation.
2: I'm just waiting for the first lawsuit where one uh, synth, um, you know, VST instrument sues another. Synth VST instruments because the patches sound similar, or there's a similar patch or something like that. There's no money. You know? I I mean, mean, it's somewhere down the road because, you know, back in the day, you knew. Like a Korg sounded like Korg because they were doing all their R and D. They had their own sound engine, and you had the Roland doing its own thing, and sequential circuits, and you know, Moog, everybody. But now, when you have these common programming environments, I don't know. I just somewhere down the road, I think some
0: if if they if it sounds like someone actually copied an algorithm, you could super copyright. That, but we, the the key to not being sued is to never make any money, and then you're that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know,
1: you know what's interesting and, and a bit of a uh, problem in gaming is that. Um, music especially is actually deconstructed. So you can have a lot of melody, strings, rhythms, all broken up. You can easily have rhythms in there that would remind you, oh, that's the beginning of Michael Jackson's blah, blah, blah. Or this is, you know, orchestrally, oh, that's just a total ripoff of, you know, Beethoven or something. Which, you know, and I've seen a lot of composers do that. He did this and Beethoven did that, and it's the same thing. You know, um... So it is interesting, especially in games where you could be exposed because you don't know how the computer is going to play it. It's not intentional, but it could be built out in some way that's random based on the way somebody played that level that all of a sudden it could be very interesting. Especially one Kestrel against another.
2: I'll tell you what, Brandon, you're going to need a bigger sheet of paper, there, brother. <laughs> <When that
4: happens. laughs>
3: See what
2: you
4: started. Here? I'm well, not going to deconstruct <laughs> it. <with him.
2: laughs> <No way. laughs> well, I listen, we've been talking about copying. It's just, it's just really interesting. I mean, you know, you look at something like Sam Smith. I think they handled it correctly. Like you know, Rob was saying, they just took care of it. It went away. But it's. But it's interesting when you see it broken down on paper. And I'm going to actually, once we post this podcast, I'm going to publish this uh, PDF that Brandon did because I, I will tell you that is one fine looking piece of paper there, brother. You did <laughs> a great, quite the you, analysis. Seriously, this analysis on this thing is amazing. It's that's that's like a term paper nightmare for me. You know,
4: <laughs> I had a free hour the other
2: day. <laughs> that, that, that's there's some work in there, and you you can learn a lot. So we'll post that, but. um, I think Rob, you know, like you were saying, he, he kind of summed it up. You know, it's going to happen. You're going to either be copied or copy somebody, but don't set out to, to copy anybody.
0: Have an original thought, people.
2: That's right. All right. Well, hey, listen, um, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, but before we go, uh, Rob, you working on anything you want to talk about or you can talk about?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, actually, this coming weekend or last weekend, depending on when this posts, when is this posting? I'm <laughs> um, happy to say the misses are going to be playing at the Mall of America in Minnesota. They're starting to align with some really cool causes, and this or last Saturday or Sunday, they are going to or will have played uh, at a kickoff walk for the National Eating Disorder Association, which is. Very much in alignment with their enough message and the whole mirror movement. So if you're not familiar with The Misses, check them out at the dot themrs.com. So I'm getting ready to leave beautiful, sunny Los Angeles nice to go to Minnesota, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a real winter move, but uh, it's going to be fun. I've never been to the Mall of America. I hear it's crazy and, and fun. So we're going to be playing there on Sunday. It should be fun. Nice. That's pretty awesome. Brandon.
4: Let's see, working on superhero movies again Uh, Ant Man, um, what else? The new Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, and uh, a new destruction movie, uh, catastrophe movie, uh, San Andreas.
2: So I want to tell a really quick story about Brandon. Um, I'm working, you know, mixing a show, and the guy that's helping me out the second um, is a really Really awesome mixer, real good sound guy, and he said, "Hey, Mike, look at look at this uh, look at this trailer. It's amazing. It's the, it's the most amazing trailer ever." So played it, and it's like, "Oh yeah, I know the guy that did the sound design on that." Just so happened to be our good buddy, Brandon, and I brought him up there to uh, introduce him and he was like all impressed and Brandon has a little groupie now.
0: <laughs> I, was just, I was like, what? Somebody
4: noticed?
2: <laughs> and this guy was soaked and he's not a newbie. This is a guy who mixes film and all kinds of stuff and he was like totally stoked to meet our little Brandon over there. No, oh, that was there. awesome. I was, uh, was totally
4: uh, honored to have his, uh, uh, his appreciation.
2: Yeah. Yep. And he he now works with us full time, so it's all good. Um, Nick, how about you?
3: Oh, uh, Besides the
2: whole Grim Fandango. Besides Grim
3: Fandango, uh, you know, yeah. I've got my groupies lined up outside (laughs) waiting. No, 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 hold on. No autographs today. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Usual slate of of Disney apps coming out the door. Other than that, um, trying to get some skiing in before the sun melts everything down. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of Cub Scouts, a little bit of uh, playing the piano, a little bit of piano recitals for my kids. My kid went to his first piano recital. I was so psyched. Oh, that's cool. The, the, The joys of Parenthood, just, uh, just in large.
2: Scott, um, what about I got you? nothing. I know you did not work on Atlantic Rim.
5: <laughs> yeah, I got
1: nothing. No, uh, we, just had, we just had the mm-hmm. uh, MIPC's, um the MPSC Golden Rule Awards. We were nominated for uh, Book of Life. We didn't win, but it was nice to be nominated.
2: Wait, who, who, did, who did win?
1: Uh, Atlantic Rim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Hero 6. Really? Yeah. Oh, that was a good sound. It was, no, uh, you know, I it think- was actually How to Train Your Dragon, Big Hero Sex Us, uh, and Lego Movie. It's a great, uh, uh, great bunch of projects to be associated with. Um, we did uh, one of our guys, one of my guys, uh, did the mix for the League of Legends, um, and we won for that, or they won for that. We won for that, whatever, whatever you want to look at it. But um, uh, no, it was good. And now I'm. Uh, um, you know, I'm doing a bunch of stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> we like that, though. Yeah, yeah when you go,
2: and, when Scott goes into I can't talk about it mode, you know, there's something good coming well, it, out. On the it's other funny with
1: like movies; uh, it's all in the trades, video games, and and other stuff. uh I can't talk about. I will say though that I am working with Microsoft on technology that I can't talk about, but they did
0: announce. Ooh. Ooh. You know, I won't even take a project now if they tell me I can talk about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's just no mystique anymore. You know what? You know what I should do for for our nine year anniversary? I should just line up all the I can't talk about it at the end. At you the know what you should do? You should line up what they all turned out to be because <laughs> well, that know. would actually
0: be pretty cool. That
2: actually would be pretty cool.
0: Uh, I'm not
5: like you guys. I I,
2: I don't have talk about anything. I, won't you? I, I
5: don't <laughs> have any of those exotic projects that i can't talk oh. about it just you know i i feel so inferior geez oh. oh no <laughs> no, any no. Of those. um uh, you know for me it's you know same old thing blogs podcasts and uh books and uh 101 mixing tricks is going real well the coaching course and uh just finished finished mixing an album for patricia bahia really good great artist uh in pre-production for another album with uh Adriana Marie and her Groove Cutters. And the last one we did won a couple of Blues Awards, so wow. that was good. And um, another couple of
0: tunes okay. in pre-production with Snoo. So I'm busy. It's good. Is the Patricia B on uh, iTunes now? Is it released?
5: Uh, it might be. Very well might
2: be. like to check it out.
5: Yeah, that's right. Uh, great. Awesome.
2: And Mike? Mike? Uh, let's see. Uh, the... Um, the series that I've been mixing for a while are just starting to air So um, on uh, FX they're on FX they're not on Fox anymore now they're on FXX I think and uh, it's Lucas Brothers and Stonequackers and uh, Axe Cop and uh, a bunch of just really fun cool animated series I, I just
5: can't say Axe Cop with the straight face <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's great and you know what they're so over the top all of them and and sound design wise and mixing wise it's it's a challenge and uh, it's just fun. Um, other than that, just getting ready for you know another year. We're coming up on our nine year anniversary, which is kind of kind of crazy, right?
0: That is crazy. Nine,
2: we're like a, a grandpa of the podcast world, you know. There's not a lot of podcasts that have been around as long as we have, and, and you know we get fresh blood in with Bobby and Nick and and just um, but. You know, Just everything that we've done. And, and it kind of wraps up what we were talking about earlier. It's like, look, we get around and we talk on the podcast, but really a lot of the gems are what happens outside the podcast, are, are the friendships and the bonds that we have. And this is the conversations. A lot of times we're talking for another hour or two or even before the podcast you guys went out to dinner, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so just, you know... Uh, just be social. Just make friends. Just get your group together because it's really cool when you see you know, people in your group do some really great things. And you can just sit there going, dang, I wish it was me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, hey, listen, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Um, for myself and all the guys, oh, and also like us on Facebook. We're at 512 likes, which is mm. great. All right. Too. And you know what? We're getting Twitter followers, and I don't think I've tweeted since, like, AES of last year. And and, uh, and we're going to have to talk, Bobby, because I'm t- I feel so t- two-edged sword on this whole Twitter thing, but we'll talk later. All right, so for myself and all the guys, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
1: See you.
0: Listening to the Audio Nowcast sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Apex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.